A one, two, two three, four. T to G to I to F to T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. T to G to I to F to T to G to I to F to F. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first Friday. Hello, everybody. I am Deacon Luke Rowicki. And I am Brother Andrew Tory. And we might have some awkward pauses because we're working on today not interrupting each other for your listening, uh, top listening experience. And so if you hear a question asked and then like a second later, someone responding, it's we're thinking of you. We care about you. So, Brother Andrew, what have you been up to um, lately just to give me and since we haven't spoken in a little bit and our listeners a little update on how life's going? I saw you, you sang a Polish song. It sounded really nice. What else have you been up to? <laughs> yeah, so here at the seminary, it's my third year in charge of the music. There's still nobody who can uh, replace me, unfortunately. <laughs> and um, so recently we've been, we have such a rich, beautiful community life here, uh, as you know, and there are people from all over the world. Um, obviously, for, for we sang in Polish because it was uh, John Paul's feast day last month. So we sang this really beautiful Eucharistic song. The Polish people are just very um, pious. They have a really deep faith, as everybody knows, right? And so that was that was a beautiful day to, to make that day a little special. And then we just had All Saints Day. And um, I, I lived in France for a year. I worked there for a year. And while I was there, I was marveled, blown away by the, their beautiful liturgical music. So I'm bringing some of what I learned there here. And so we sang... A, a song in French about the heavenly Jerusalem coming down, you know, at the end of time and just everybody just so happy and beautiful and it's, uh, you know, heaven. And, um, and actually tonight, tonight, I'm speaking about heaven. I'm, I, it's, it's like the, the second time in like the past six years that I'm going to preach the holy hour uh, at the seminary here. So I'm going to talk about heaven tonight. So I'm really excited and, and nervous too. I'm sure it's going to be great. And I saw in the Heavenly Jerusalem song, oh, and the Polish song, the shout out to Brother Mark Halal. So he's a friend of both of ours uh, from before he was a brother. And then, or I guess you might have known him when he was already a brother, but you know his family, uh, who they live in Maryland, an amazing, amazing family, amazing Catholics, amazing Regnum Christi members. And uh, it's always good to see him doing well and using his talents because he's so musically talented. So to, to see exactly and he he is he's great he, he was he's he he knows so much about music brother mark and i know he's going to be he's going to be an amazing chant director song director here one day he knows he knows he he really knows a lot more than i do like the, the um like music theory and like he's speaking to me about like certain details that i had like what is what are you talking about i don't understand that you know <laughs> so he's going to be great and he's, he sings really well he's going to be a great brother here in rome Oh, well, there you go. A possible successor, Brother Andrew. You're going to be leaving your, yeah. your legacy and your legacy. Uh, and then here, I'm so I'm here in Monterey, Mexico. I got back from a trip to San Antonio where I did my cousin's wedding. And not only is it, I mean, it's super exciting. Most importantly, it's because it's my cousin's wedding. So now she and her husband, Amon, so it's Mary and Amon, are one flesh. They've been bound by the sacrament of matrimony. They are the ministers of the sacrament. Always, we know that the, the husband and wife are the ministers of the sacrament, which means their yes, their consent, their I do, is what forms this unbreakable spiritual sacramental bond. 
And it was so special for me to be asked to be the presider of the rite, of the rite of matrimony. And it was also my first wedding. So as a deacon, you can now do a couple things, you know? And so, wow. yeah, so being there as, as their cousin and then as a deacon and with my whole family there, uh, it was, it was very, very special. And I had this older priest, um, who's with the Oblates and he's done tons of weddings, all these things. And we just, he decided really that he's like, yeah, well, you're the cousin. So you should do the right. You should preach the homily. You should do the nuptial blessing. And, and he just, he kind of coached me through the whole thing. Um, just, yeah, fantastic priest. Um, and, uh, it was a yeah, beautiful experience. And from there I went to Los Angeles to plan a future summer camp we're going to do with our, our ECYD boys here in Monterey. ECYD is the youth program we run across the world. And uh, we're going to speak about that more in today, today's episode, which is all about... We need some synodality, some papal synodality. Because we don't have to go at this alone. Boom, boom. That's right, everybody. So, <laughs> if you don't know what's going on in Rome, Brother Andrew... Please inform us, enlighten us, tell us what is happening over there in the Eternal City. So here in the Eternal City, La Città Eterna in Rome, the Pope has called the largest worldwide consultation ever. So he decided that, you know, we need to consult everybody in the church. So he says that because the church, I know it's, isn't that ridiculous, <laughs> but like in a good way, you know, anyway. uh, because the, the reason is because, well, the church, the church is an, is the incarnation, so to speak of the kingdom of God here on earth, like as in a seminal form, right? Just like a seed. So it's just starting out and it'll reach its fullness in heaven. And the church is called to bring the God's communion to, to the whole world. That's our mission. But in order to carry out that mission, the, but the people who are baptized, all of us, we need to, we need to participate somehow. We need, we need to live out our baptismal commitments. You know, we're sons and daughters of God. And the Pope uh, sees from his, he has one of the best perspectives, I think, of, of people in the whole world, right, about how the church is going, how the world is going even. The Pope sees that there are certain people that aren't able to, to participate in, in as fully as they could. And so in his so he, he's, he's discerned that okay the, the the task for the church uh, at this moment in history is to become a synodal church a synod and so you hear that word often and the word synod means simply uh, walking together you know a gathering it's usually a religious term so it's a, ga a gathering of religious leaders religious representatives to talk about how a church is going and steps that need to be taken etc to to continue the journey forward it's not a new thing. Um, synods have been part of the church's history since the beginning, but the fact that the Pope is doing this on a worldwide scale, having different phases, right? So he's saying, okay, everybody in your diocese, you know, the diocese of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or the diocese of Dallas, Texas, or Tokyo, or Berlin, like all of you do this consult at the parish level, ask people how, how they're doing, what are their problems, how can the church help? And then each of those countries will sort of synthesize a, a, a list of, you know, things that are going well, things that can be improved, um, like how, like the, what the needs are of the church today. Yeah. 
And then all of that will be gathered together in a big packet of information, which I'm sure is going to be really a lot of stuff to read, but that'll be all be brought to Rome. And in Rome, the, there will be a, a worldwide meeting of people from all over the world and they will you know, discern together, okay, where is the Lord calling the church and what can we do to help us get there? So that's, that's the process. And it's, it's just starting. And that's why we need... We need some synodality, some papal synodality. Because we don't have to go at this alone. Do -do -do. So we, we well, love jingles, as all of our faithful <laughs> fans know. We love jingles to help us remember afterwards what, was, what were these two crazy brother, brother deacon talking about. And so hopefully this jingle will stick in your head. And um, it also has a familiar... Uh, melody, as you all know from the Jungle Book. So that's right. Um, so that's our theme today, everyone. We we want to talk about how the synod can affect our lives. In other words, what is the dunque of all this? Like, so if the Pope, from his um, privileged perspective, from there in Rome, being the head of the church and given this position, um, you know, really through the Holy Spirit and through God's intervention. If he sees that the church needs synodality, maybe our lives need some synodality. So, um, Brother Andrew, you I know you have a cool story. At least I think it's really cool. I'm sure everyone else will too. About some synodality-ness in, uh, in Rome, maybe with some of your classes. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Could you, could you tell us a little bit about that? What, what, synod, what yeah, synodality sure. experiences have you had recently? So... There's this one class that we have in, in Rome in theology that let's just say it's not exactly praised by all the students, right? Um, it's, a, it's a pretty frustrating, it has been a pretty frustrating experience for, for a lot of the brothers. Um, and it seems like the problem is that there isn't a good level of communication between the professor and the rest of us. And so instead of, uh, so this has been going on for, for a while, right? I, this is what I've been hearing about, you know, at the, you know at, the, at the lunch table, at the dinner table, people complaining and yada, yada, yada. And so, and so now I'm in this class and I'm like, okay, you know, starting it out, let's, let's see how it goes. And then I realize, okay, yeah, some of these things that I've heard are actually pretty frustrating. But the difficulty that I saw is that nobody wanted to talk to him talk to the professor about it. Um, instead, we were just allowing our complaining and anger to just sort of like, to like fester, right? Without doing anything. And so I felt that situation made me feel uncomfortable because I felt like it wasn't mature. I felt like um, it's, not, it's not good to allow this to happen because, well, the professor should want to do a good job and I'm sure he does. Um, and, and future generations should get, should receive better classes. Right. Um, so I felt in that situation, I felt like, okay, well, what can I do to, 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 what can I do about it? So I was like, well, I'll just talk to him. <laughs> so that's what I did. I just, I went up to the professor, I talked to him and I, I was a little nervous because I felt like maybe he wouldn't listen to what I was going to say. And he did kind of get a little defensive. Um, but but I, little by little, I saw that okay, maybe he's opening up a little bit. And recently, actually, it was today, he, he met with some of the students to talk about how the class is going. So I thought that was a really good, um, hopefully just a first step. You know, I thought that was, I thought that was really good um, 
And, and it, made, it gave me some hope and it made me see like, okay, yeah, there needs to be communication between the people on the top and the people who are on the bottom. And, and in this case, um, it seems like the people from the bottom need, need to, we need to sort of like prod that to happen, you know, because it's not coming from the person on top. So it seems like things are, it's just, we're still in the situation, but uh, I think it's something it's, it's, I see how much better it is to, to, to really to walk together like a synod, like you go together, you're not doing these two things apart. No, together, together is always so much better. I remember the, the I think it's Pope Benedict um, that gave a speech about how, and I'm sure other people have said it too, but how a university is like this community of scholars, right? So it's not like we can sometimes think a university is where I go to take classes just to like receive, 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 and then hopefully pass the test at the end. But the way you described it always inspired me because there's these professors who, uh, with, with all their studies and their experience, they know a lot. And then there's these students who, you know, at best are in, interested and hungry for knowledge and all these things. And they also like both bring a lot to the table because when you're young, you also have, you have a new perspective. You're, you're the hope of the present and the future. You have ways of applying maybe things that have, you know, knowledge from the past to the present to the present moment. But like to form this community because then also, you know, professors, maybe as they get older, they kind of get stuck in the ways and then someone young comes with a new fresh perspective and that helps them to continue wanting to study more. So it forms like this, this mutual, uh, positive environment, mutually positive environment that they're both, uh, contributing to the other. I always thought that was so cool. But then at the same time, you kind of think, yeah, but I mean, only in like a perfect world, does a professor have the time? Like, because, um, I remember there was, there was one time where, yeah, I think complaining about classes isn't anything new. And like, I think last year when I was there, <laughs> you know, same kind of conversations at the table sometimes and not always constructive or productive, but hopefully, is, you know, most of the time, yes. And uh, and then all it took was some, uh, we were all thinking like, man, but why doesn't he like put more time into his preparing class, all these things? And without any excuses, but like later on, this same professor we were talking about, gave a talk about his life as a priest. It wasn't just him as a professor, but him as a priest. And he mentioned like, I'm in charge of this thing. I'm in charge of that. I'm in charge of that. I'm this faculty. I celebrate mass here. I'd help with the missionaries of charity. I do these. And then at the end, you're like, wow. And I was thinking like he was just sitting in his room and like, you know, doing nothing all day and like didn't care about like making his classes better. But, and then also he said like a top priority for him is giving his students the best experience possible getting, you know, raising bar academically and things like that. Um, I don't know. So I don't know. You need a lot of understanding mutually from both sides, but that's what synodality is all about. Like you need to go talk to the person, listen to the person, like what you did. And it's not always going to be received initially or real positively because who likes negative feedback? No one, no one like, <laughs> but in the end, that's what most helps us. Otherwise you just stay in the same place, like stagnant, boring, festering I like that word they used and like like a pool like just like a pool of water that never moves like it's disgusting later on like that's where like all the maggots go and that's where the algae grows and that's <laughs> like we need to walk yeah. together like we need to push some people and like pull some people along but that way like it doesn't ever get stagnant it's always moving and the church should always be moving because times change so the church this the eternal truths are not going to change the divine revealed truths are not going to change but how they are applied will change um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many good examples that we learn about, a lot about in, in church history there in Rome and things that of like positive or negative approaches to reforming the church. 
Um, I don't know if you have any any in particular, but Andrew, that come to your mind, but like that we can maybe help then apply that to our lives. So like this is something that you did personally, concretely, recently, like you're still in the process of walking with this professor and with the rest of the students, with the rest of the bros. Um, like, I don't know, any, any events of the church history that stick out? Yeah, so there's, well, there's one big thing that's going on now that's probably not a good example, but it's caused a lot of controversy. There's this um, synodal way that is going on in Germany, this synod path, if you want to say. So I, by, by the way, I saw, I looked up the word, I, I saw the word synod and I was like, okay, I get that. But then I saw the word synodal and I, I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. It's like synodal, synodal, synodal. So you can actually pronounce it all three ways. <laughs> the dictionary okay. told me. If anybody looks at it, yeah, you can wipe, it, wipe, wipe, wipe your sweat off your brow there. You can, you can, and you can pronounce them all three ways. Um, anyway, it's just a little grammatical uh, lesson for, for the day. But so there's this, the, the, in, the church in Germany has been going through a process that's similar to what the Pope is calling on for the, for the universal church. A, a, a struggle that has been happening in Germany is that um, many, many people who are involved in this synodal path in Germany are um, questioning fundamental you know, elements of doctrine, um, like the reservation of the priesthood for men, right? Which is, which is not at all a, a sexist thing. It's, it's, uh, that, I mean, that's a whole other podcast episode, right? Um, or um, an intercommunion. So like a, a, a Catholic uh, husband and a Protestant wife going to mass together and, you know, the Protestant wife receives communion, even though she's not Catholic. So there's different things that are, that, you know, sort of wound the unity of the church. And the Pope wrote a whole new, a whole letter actually to the church in Germany. If anybody's interested in reading that uh, about, you know, yes, it's good to have these discussions. It's good. And you can even, we should talk about, you know, if, if somebody out there has a difficulty with the fact that the church says that only men can be priests. I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge statement today. Right. Um, we should talk about that. Um, but one thing is to want to talk about it, understand, et cetera. Another thing is to say, okay, this needs to change because, you know, I am 50 years old, I'm 60 years old, and I know more than the 2,000 years that have preceded me. I really know what's right. I mean, that's a little bit of, that's pride. That's, that's pride <laughs> to, be, to be straightforward. Um, so so, a, so a, 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 an approach that is a, could lead to, to issues and that's causing struggle is sort of the way that's happening in Germany. Um, which wouldn't, it wouldn't be fair to say that's the way all the German Catholics are. No, that's not, that's not at all. I, I mean, we know people that live there. I mean, there are people who are more striving to be, you know, as faithful as possible, right? Um, but so, so an approach would be, okay, this is what the church teaches. How, how can I make this concrete where I am? How can I reach out to people who are on the margins? How can I help those who maybe haven't been baptized? How can I be a bridge to people of other faiths. How do we help uh, women who are who are pregnant or attempted to have an abortion? How do we like all these people who are on the margins that, that the Pope is so rightly telling us? We need to involve all of these people in the synodal process, right? Um, so yeah, that's that's one. And I would say, um, you know, Deacon, there's and to everybody, if you want to understand what this process is all about, 
All you have to do is go and read one little speech that Pope Francis gave. He gave it on October 9th this year, so less than a month ago. October 9th, and it was a speech for the opening of this whole synodal process. It's really good, and we're actually basing our whole podcast episode on this talk that the Pope gave. It's very clear, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. I just, just go ahead and read that. Listen to the words of the Holy Father. Um, it's wonderful. I wonder if our podcast will be material for reflection at the Synod 2023 in Rome. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, we're going to be hearing all your, your dulcet tones resound through through the walls of St. Peter's Basilica. <laughs> but it's hot, yeah, it's hot off the press. I mean, just October 9th. This is what like we as Catholics should strive. And if maybe we don't feel like naturally the interest and in, to know everything that's happening in Rome, like strive to be more interested because the Holy Spirit speaks in a very special way. He speaks through all of us. I actually, um, the other day I was waiting in line to get my my license here in Mexico, passed the test. So some people believe that in Mexico you don't have to do tests to get your license, but it's not true. At least not anymore. <laughs> to do a test. And waiting to get my license, this woman came up to me and said, oh, are you a pastor? And we started talking. She said, well, I'm not Catholic. I'm not religious. I have a direct line between me and God. And and so I was like, well, like with her saying that, I'm not going to just come out and be like, no, like you're, you know, like only in the church, people are saved, all these things. You're not going to say those things. And it's true. Like we all have a direct line to God. But I told her, um, but, you know, God, I, I, I said, I'm very grateful that Christ instituted a church because like I have questions and there the church has beautiful answers that have really satisfied me throughout my life and things like that. Um, and so I know that I can, I have a direct relationship with God, but I also know that God speaks in a very special way through the church and through, especially through the Pope. And so it's not something like, um, it doesn't take anything away from my relationship with God, but it's something that helps, helps my personal relationship with God. And so she, I mean, yeah, it's not anything new. And I don't, I don't think, she, yeah, she's going to start going to Catholic church all of a sudden, but I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Like we don't, we don't have to necessarily negate the one for the other. Like we all have, yeah, a direct relationship with God. Uh, I'm sure these German bishops pray and they uh, also have a deep relationship with God in their prayer. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you have to deny that Christ instituted this church and there's a hierarchy and that's meant to help us all walk together because we're, let me see, I remember, we need some synodality, some papal synodality. We don't have to go at this alone. Do, 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 do. So, oh, get a little fancy there. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, that was just kind of one. Okay, so there's clericalism that's an issue in the church, like that some people think um, wrongly that the priests need to make all the decisions, all the decisions across the board from liturgy to administration to um, whether the cry room in the church is going to be on the left or on the right or <laughs> have you know a certain number of handicapped spots. Like that's not true. That doesn't have to be all the priests making all the decisions. And there's a negative approach or there's a positive approach. Negative being like you cut ties with anything that goes against your opinion. So if the Pope is against me, then forget the Pope. Or there's the positive approach, which is what the Pope's trying to foster. Let's get everyone across the world from Tokyo to Canada to Mexico to Ireland all talking. And I was just thinking like, man, that's a huge like act of faith on the Pope's part to think that I can have a conversation with like such varied cultures and things. And really arrive to some conclusions I can apply, or at least you know principles I can be applied across the globe. 
I love that. And that's, it is one church, one holy Catholic apostolic. And so even if we're across countries and cultures and things, we shouldn't forget that, that it's one Holy Spirit, one faith, one baptism. It's, we do have things in common. And so we should be trying to walk together. This is, it's awesome. It's an exciting time in the church and for us. And doing this again, like how can we apply this in our lives? I had a really cool experience. Um, so I mentioned earlier, I went to LA, we visited Hollywood, we visited um, the Griffith Observatory. If you've seen La La Land, like where they have this really cool scene where they're like floating and dancing and singing. Um, so that happens there. You can get a cool selfie with the Hollywood letters behind you. You see them really well and then you take a selfie and the letters are like microscopic for some reason. Like <laughs> that's why I didn't post anything from on my Instagram with the Hollywood letters, but I was like looking right at them and they're like right there and it's really cool. Um, and so the idea, we're going to plan this, we're planning this camp for middle school boys here in Monterey. We're going to go there um, in July, hopefully. It's looking all pretty good. And we want them to, uh, like, knowing themselves, knowing their talents, see the challenges that they face in the world to be apostles, and then decide to use their talents to evangelize the world. And so, like, Hollywood's an exciting place because, like, the, you know, the movie cultures and everything, like, these, these movies and these themes and messages that are produced in Hollywood by these really creative, talented people arrived across the globe. And so we want them to, like, think big. Um, and so we're going to do this camp. And we had a meeting with a producer and a writer uh, who's Christian and uh, was extremely welcoming. He's going to give a talk to our group if he's in town. I was noticing that like all these people, like they want to help. But then at the end, it's like, well, I might be shooting a movie across, you know, I'm in, like he said, I might be in Pennsylvania doing a movie or something like that. I can remember. Um, But we're going to be in touch and hopefully it'll work out. So we finished this meeting with him. um, And actually a lot, a lot of it was synodality. He was, um, I mean, he was saying that 20 years ago, if a son told his mom, his mother, his Christian mother, hey, mom, I'm going to Hollywood, she would gasp and she would say, no, like, like there's just your sin city and you're going to lose all your faith and values and morals and things. And he said, if you tell, if a son says that now, it's a very different culture you're walking into. And that's because the Christians in Hollywood, they're so few that they've all bond, they bound together. And so like Christians and like evangelicals and Protestants and then Catholics and then um, like these different, all the different denominations, they've kind of become this one uh, team in Hollywood. And he wasn't the only one that said that. We actually met with a nun um, who's Father Gregory Usselman's sister, really cool. And and she said the same thing. She said, ah, well, it's actually, we don't really, um, like I'll, I'm gonna give a talk tomorrow to these this group that's largely Protestant. So the Protestants are listening to a Catholic nun. Like where else in the world is that happening? So like there are these really interesting fruits in Hollywood um, because you're kind of, you kind of have to bond them together. Otherwise you'll get, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll, it won't work. Uh, it's too powerful, like the secular culture of Hollywood. So anyways, we had this meeting, really interesting conversation. We're walking to the car and I was with another priest, the director here of East YD, Father Jose Enrique. We walk into our car and this we hear this guy yell from across the parking lot like, Hey, are you guys with the diocese? And uh, I'm like, no, actually, we're missionaries at Legionaries of Christ. He's like, oh. And he made a joke. He's like, oh, well, I'm Southern Baptist. So we can't stand you guys. But then he was just like, no, I'm just kidding. So he, <laughs> he's a, t- a Catholic teacher at this really um, good school there in uh, L.A. And he actually ended up inviting us over for dinner. Like, really super nice guy. We had a lo- super long conversation about St. Anselm and the theory of satisfaction and all these things. For, and then in the parking lot. 
<laughs> which is uh, another another theme for another podcast episode. Um, but the he ended up inviting us over for dinner, and it was incredible. So we have these like really small world connections, like with him and my family and my high school and things like that. And he was he was explaining to me. He's obviously very convinced of his faith. He he studied um, at Franciscan while living with Dr. Scott Hahn, like in his house with his family. This guy. And like he studied in his library, like he was sitting at one desk and Scott Hahn at the other desk and they're chatting about, yeah, these, yeah, beautiful and profound divine truths and things. So now he's this teacher and athletic director of the school. And he was explaining to me that he used to have a podcast with these guys and um, also very learned, very um, like scholarly. And they talked about all these different themes in the church and in the world. And they're very um, opinionated and Frank. And it got to the point where he said, well, you know what? I, I love you guys, but we're not going to do this podcast anymore because there were certain things that he didn't agree with. He didn't want this guy that we met. Wasn't going to bash Vatican two and say like, it's, it was a, it wasn't a true church council, which some people say he wasn't going to just sit there bashing Pope Francis as if like, he's, you know, the devil or like he's destroying the church, but here's the best part. So he was say, he was saying that, and I was just imagining, oh yeah, so he's you know he's lost contact with these people and stuff. He literally picked up the phone and called one of them during the dinner, and he answered, and they were like, hey, what's up? And they were like best friends. And I was thinking like that's something so rare. I feel like in today's world that I can be friends with someone even though I have a completely different opinion, or at least on certain issues that are you know really touchy subjects, we do not see eye to eye. And I think that for me is a great example, a great dunque. Because sometimes we just write people off and it's like easier just to cut ties. But if I really care about my, if he's really my friend, I really care about him. I'm not, that's exact, it's the exact opposite of what I want to do. If I believe I have the truth and I can help this person, of course I'm going to stay in contact with them, you know? Like maybe there are certain relationships you do need to cut ties with or whatever. But um, like when you, when you don't necessarily agree with someone or if they're just like completely different culture or perspective, uh, you don't you don't necessarily have to cut cut off cut off ties and it's very Christian it's very true to what I think Pope Francis is trying to do to continue those friendships and so he talked to this guy on the phone and they joked around and he said okay well, we'll talk to you tomorrow like you can tell that they're still really close still really good friends um, but that for me was just very impressive because he showed me his library you can tell this guy studied a lot he knows a lot and he just he's too humble to say, you know what? I know better than the Pope and I know better than the Vatican council. And he loves, you know, he's like, I love Vatican council. Like I wish people, more people knew what it really said and all these things. And, um, I know. So that's an example, but Andrew of what I think, uh, is something that we can apply in our lives, a dunque from all of this. Exactly. We have to, we have to create structures in which we can, actively listen to other people and we have to listen with to them with a discerning heart right especially those of you who have responsibilities right so uh, obviously i think of parents the first thing right um you know we need families need to talk um it's not it's not good just to you know just go to work and then come home and then just you know, prepare dinner and then everybody goes watch TV, TV and then you go to bed, you know, family need to talk and parents have expectations of their children, right? 
and children have expectations of their parents. And so they need to they need to talk about this because when there's a disconnect, like the earlier example, you know, with, with my class here in Rome, when there's a disconnect, it creates conflict and tension and frustration. Um, but this, this isn't just a psychological technique to improve human relationships, right? I mean, there's so many books today, the past 20, 30 years, self-improvement, communicating better, crucial conversations, things like, I mean, those are all really good things. But what's being applied today is, is the whole, is the, we, you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when you tune in to what the people of God is saying. Now, that does not mean, and the Pope said in the speech that I mentioned, so again, the speech is from October 9th. It's the Pope's address for the opening of the Synod, October 9th of this year. The Pope said right away, the, the, the Synod is not a, I'm reading it right here, the Synod is not a parliament or an opinion poll. The Synod is an ecclesial event, and its protagonist is the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit is not present, there will be no Synod. So it's about the Holy Spirit speaking in the church. And the Holy Spirit is not going to, you know, there's, there's not going to be some theophany, which is a you know biblical term when God actually speaks, you know, or it's not going to like, you know, this is my will, you know, and just, you know, you know, whatever, one, two, and three. It's, you know, you notice, and this is sort of akin to what happens in your spiritual life, in, in your, in your you, you listen to what, you can understand what God is telling you when you pay attention to your thoughts and your feelings and, and in an atmosphere of prayer. The same thing happens in a community. You can hear what God is saying as long as through other, through other people, you know, you can hear like, you know, if everybody's saying the same thing, like uh, for instance, I'll give you an example uh, here in our seminary. Um, we just started to have um group meetings with our immediate superior. We call them assistant because they're an assistant to the rector. And there's about 20 of us in our group. And um, there was a suggestion that we made to our superior. And we said, you know, and on the weekends, so to, to give you context, we, we get up every day at 5.30 and on the weekends, we get up at 5.45. So we get an extra 15 minutes, right? <laughs> Which I've always laughed at, you know? And so we, one of us in the meeting, so we said like, you know, it would be great if we could, if we could get some more sleep and then we can like wake up, I don't know, 6.15 or something. Um, and I don't want people to think that we're just suffering here because I know people probably get up at like, you know, 9 p.m. on the week. We're, we, we don't really suffer that much here. But we, we wanted, we wanted, we'd like to sleep a little more. Um, and so everybody in the group said, you know, yeah, that, that would be great. Um, now, in a religious context, it's different because we have a superior, right? So it's not a, it's not a democracy. But what a great way to, to, like, we wouldn't have manifested that desire that we all have hadn't we talked about it in a group. We just didn't, we, I mean, you know? And so, you know, if, I'm, if I see, you know, if I'm, if I'm the superior there and I see that there's a need, okay, well, how can I address that? How can I help? these people. I mean, I, I want them to be rested. You know, I want them to be holy priests. They need rest. Um, and so, so hopefully they'll decide in our favor. We'll see. Um, <laughs> they haven't made a decision yet, but, but the point I'm trying to make is that the Holy spirit, um, not in this, not in this example, right. Cause it's just about sleep, but the Holy spirit can, can speak through other people. And if there's a common theme theme that's arising in different dioceses throughout the world, then that's, you know, maybe an indication of, okay, let's talk about this. Let's go over this. How can we help? How can we, let's pray about this. What, what might God be asking of us? 
And, and this is something that can be applied in, in your families. It can be applied in your work, right? Um, it can be applied everywhere. Uh, it's, it's about creating not a, another church, the Pope says, but a different church. In other words, a church that is not about, you know, um, from the top to the bottom, but that's about a church that listens, a church that is open to, to healing wounds, right? To, to addressing what people need, to helping them, to challenging them when they need to be challenged, to calling them out, but, but to accompany. Um, I think this, this is the type of church that Pope Francis is, wants for us. And it makes me really excited. And I don't know where I read it recently, but it's something Pope Francis talks about a lot and it's something Christ shows us in the gospels, but authority is a service. Like if you're put in a position of authority, it's to serve. Like if you're president, you're the servant of your country. And you can't serve someone if you don't know what they need. Like imagine a waiter at a restaurant just bringing whatever he feels like bringing to your table. Like you're going to be like, what the heck? I did not. I don't like spinach on my um, oatmeal or something like, but he's like, oh, sorry. Like I said, like, well, maybe you should have listened to me when I said like I wanted you know, oatmeal and I don't know, cauliflower or something on the side. Like <laughs> the waiter, the waiter needs to first listen and then he knows, okay, how can I serve you best? Right. Actually the other day we went, went out for tacos and the priest asked for like two different flavored tacos and they just brought him like the same one twice and he didn't complain, but, but like you can see on his face, like he was really looking, really looking forward to having one and one and like, you know, they just brought him two of the same. So, and that's delicious. I love the tacos here, but like, like if like you put that in a context of whether you're a parent or a teacher or a coach of, of sorts or anything, or if you just want to be a better friend to someone, like you need to learn to listen to them and then you can serve better. Like even as a parent doesn't mean like it's not less authoritative or like you're not um, copying out of your, um, your task as a parent or a teacher or a coach by listening and by asking, hey, how are you? And I'm sure you all do that. But maybe it's it's something to reflect upon. Like sometimes we get frustrated when our kids don't listen. Well, when was the last time I like I when was the last time I really stopped and like heard them out? Like maybe they really are tired. Maybe they really are. Um, it's something I'm trying to do. I'm in charge of the missionaries here in our community. So like there's three guys you know that are here for a year, and uh, they're yeah they're volunteering and they're doing a great job. They're very generous. Um, but sometimes they. Uh, yeah, they don't exactly fulfill all the expectations that we've set out from the beginning. Like we made it very clear that the schedule in the morning is prayer and then mass and then breakfast. They don't always arrive on these things. And my first reaction is always like, okay, I'm gonna burst open the door, like flip their bed and I get them out of, <laughs> it's like, again, they didn't show up for prayers or they didn't show up for mass or like whatever, they were late for lunch or things like that. And then I, I, I don't know, when I, I pray about it and it helps me a ton. And I think like, you know, it's easy just to get angry and, why don't I go in there? And, you know, recently one of them said like, Oh, sorry, I got up early. I was going to go. And like my stomach was killing me is something I ate last night. I decided I'm going to go to mass at this time. Like he had already thought of the whole thing. He, he tried, he, he got up, but if I would have gone in there and just like flipped his bed, I wouldn't have realized that he was sick. Like he's still in bed because he's not feeling well today. So it's like, like first listen, pray, listen, prayer gives you the ability to listen, I think. And then, and then, Go forward. So that's hopefully another Dunque because we need some synodality, some papal synodality. Because we don't have to go at this alone. <laughs> All right, so, Andrew. Any any words to wrap up 
I love your gauntlet throwing. Throw down that gauntlet. What what can these people do? Uh, what can our, uh, our sounds so severe though? It sounds like I'm trying to like like throw like throw a sharp instrument into somebody's stomach or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe since it's all about synodality, maybe not a gauntlet this time, and maybe you can throw out a, an invitation, a royal invitation. Challenge yourself to address a situation that you find uncomfortable. Um, that's what I, that's what I, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but that's what I did with my, my class. I really didn't want to do it. Um, cause I, 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 I felt uncomfortable <laughs> and I didn't, um, but, but I saw the fruits of it. Um, and I saw that it made me closer to the professor. It helped me a lot. Um, it helped me to grow out. It helped, it helped me to, to grow personally. So I think if there's a situation that you know is not right, this isn't this isn't good, this isn't wrong. Don't don't just don't accept the status quo. Like the Pope, Pope Francis says, he says that one of the dangers in this synodal path is complacency. Oh, we've always done it this way, you know. And, and, and but the problem is, is that sometimes there are, there are new problems, and we try to apply the same solutions all the time. But it's like it's like putting an, a rough patch on an, on a new piece of cloth, you know, like from the gospel. It's just going to tear, and it's going to make it worse. So I would say, think about a situation that's something's not going right, um, and and maybe you can do something to try to change it, to gesture perhaps towards a, a better better situation. Think about that and and see see because that might that might make somebody's life better. That might that might make that might give you more peace. It might cl uh, clear your conscience. It might help. It might give you more peace in your heart. It could it could improve somebody's life. Um, that's what that that would be a suggestion that I would that that I'd launch. Imagine if all of us here at TJFF, the pod squad, as you know, we have an Instagram page, TJFF.podsquad. Imagine if all of us being a part of the pod squad this week, you know, make this commitment. I'm going to, I'm going to identify what is like some problem some that's been, you know, going on for a while now. And I'm going to do my best. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to confront the situation. I'm going to listen to the other person and ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten both of us. Imagine if we all did that, it's going to be a very different uh, environment when we speak next time, next month at our next episode. Um, Absolutely. And that's what, that's what Pope Francis wants for the church. Um, he doesn't want to change moral teaching. He doesn't want to uh, just totally radicalize it. He, he just wants us all to listen to each other so that, so that, so that Jesus, the good shepherd can, can, can get to the sheep who are, who are sort of lost. That's what he wants. And you know, I'm right behind him. Yeah. So TJFF always in step with the church. Hopefully you Amen. all can too. Uh, this has been an awesome episode. Remember folks, we do not just do. We do. God bless you. What was that? What was that? TGIFF. What was that? Two brothers in row. What was that? What was that? TGIFF. What was that? It's a double F, not a singular F. TGIFF Instagram is TGIFF.podsquad. Facebook, Instagram, Internet. All over. <laughs> <laughs>